Hello and welcome to the Modern House podcast. I'm Matt Gibbard, co-founder of The Modern House. My guest today is the singer-songwriter Paloma Faith, whose wonderfully distinctive voice is the source of both mellifluous song and mischievous laughter. As well as her musical brilliance, Paloma also has an eye for design, and she's recently launched her own range of interiors products called Paloma Home. I managed to grab a bit of time with her on a typically busy day at home, what with decorators and a new baby, to talk about her three favourite living spaces. As you might imagine, they reflect her personal love of maximalism, glamour and a decidedly rock and roll spirit. Hope you enjoy it. Paloma, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. This is obviously a podcast about how we live. And so I wanted to start actually by asking you about your own experiences of home especially your well starting with your childhood home where did you grow up and what kind of environment was it I grew up in Hackney in a street that was mainly council houses back when terraced houses were council owned and then because my mum was a key worker in the 80s they did this like right to buy scheme but I remember when that happened and, like, through sort of, like, the end of the Thatcher years, my road sort of gradually becoming more full of those massive metal boarded-up windows. Then it sort of shifted to... Because it's in Hackney, but now it's really bougie. That's what we call it. So, <laughs> so over time, it sort of shifted. And there's only three families left on that road from that time that's and my mum's one of them and then oh, wow. there's like a Nigerian family and a Turkish family and us left and everything else is very white middle class yeah right I can imagine <laughs> I was thinking about my daughter my eldest daughter Indigo who's eight she spends her whole time drawing pictures of imaginary houses that she wants to live in her latest one is like a combination of a Moorish palace and a Victorian villa or something yeah did I read somewhere that you used to do that as well when you were a child um no but I did used to sort of dream a bit my dad was into this idea of having um, a glass cube where the walls or the glass of the cube were um filled with colored gases so it could be any color you wanted like a rainbow (laughs) and I loved that The thing that stands out for me about my childhood home that was amazing, and I think, unfortunately, a lot of our children don't have any more, was, like, remembering the transition that it went through from, like, my mother... Oh, sorry, sorry, I've got decorators in. Um, Yeah, the transition from it being, you know, like, all the kind of regulation council's interior to, like, my mum saving up and sort of making it better and better as I got older. Yeah. And I feel like children don't have that anymore. Like our generation's parents started off like not wealthy and then gradually over time we saw them... It's quite aspirational for a child growing up to see like your living situation improve. Right, yeah. And I remember like, for example, the carpet being used by loads and loads of families and then the day we pulled up the carpet and then changed the floor or, like, all those things, quite exciting to me, whereas now there's this sort of big thing of, like, 
decorating and doing up homes before you move in. Yeah. Which is, like, it's sort of indicative of wealth, I think. Oh, my God, yeah. sorry. My house is a very functioning household. Getting the real exploration of that. <laughs> it's a great comedy doorbell. Is that the decorators, then? No, they're outside. They're already in the garden. This is probably a delivery from my 10 million deliveries a day. You're not, you're not the only one. So you're doing your own refurb at the moment, then? No, just having the exterior painted. But do you see a, a house as something that's constantly evolving and quite fluid, then? Yeah, I do. And I... Because, as you know, I've just about to launch my own interior brand and I've sort of um, designed it to do that. So it's like little bits that all go together, but you don't have to buy them all at once. You can buy, like, one bit and then you can buy a few and they look like they shouldn't go together, but they do, and that's sort of what my house is like. I just kind of have this house which is I add to all the time and then I change it all the time and I quite enjoy that yeah I get that where do you get your stuff from are you an ebayer I'm quite a big ebayer yeah yeah and I go to antiques fairs obviously I'm a touring musician so I get to travel a lot and I tend to bring stuff back from faraway lands a lot okay yeah and you've got an amazing painting behind you as well it's nice to live with an artist who can uh contribute as well yeah the walls are never bare yeah <laughs> i know at the modern house you love minimalism and and i'd love to think that i did but like my mum's obsessed by minimalism and she's always saying like your house is just too maximalist it's ridiculous but then you go to her house which is sort of faux minimalist because it's there's no space for her stuff and <laughs> she hasn't sorted out the storage <laughs> solution so it's like just her idea of minimalism is just white walls, really. <laughs> Still full of things. Yeah, right. Well, that's good. But your house, presumably, is very reflective of you as a character and the way that you dress and the way that you are, isn't it? I mean, it should be reflective of you, shouldn't it? Yeah, it is. There's nothing neutral about me. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> is there part of you, though, that would also quite like to live that kind of Californian modernist dream that you see on the Modern House website sometimes, is, is there, does well, that appeal as well? that's how I know about you and how we've got to yeah. know each other because I am obviously obsessed by dreaming it and it's that sort of California in the middle of nowhere 60s um, architecture that I really love. In terms of your own domestic environment, you're obviously in the public eye. What does that do to your sense of home? Does it make it even more of a refuge away from the madness, in a way. I think so. And, I, I mean, I've always been a bit of a nester. Like, I'm naturally a homemaker and I'm a homebody and I really like... Have, I like hosting. So I've got kind of quite a nice house for that. Like, you know, it's quite old, but it's got big extension so that the living room and the kitchen flows into one at the bottom and it's quite good for entertaining... I would say that, yeah, it's, it's always been super important to me to have a really nice home environment because it's where I run to. But I think it's been, and everyone probably says this to you, accentuated by the lockdown. Like, we all became way more hyper-aware of our living arrangements during, you know, the pandemic. And how how's yours fared, then, in that? I really love my house and... 
people always comment on it because it's quite noisy looking, but it's very quiet sounding. <laughs> Why? Because there's soft materials or what, what do you mean by that? Just like we're very calm the way we live and we're not sort of hectic and there's not like loads of loud noises and weirdly that even though there's two kids living here, there's like a calmness to the house. It's quite nurturing. People sort of go, oh, God, as soon as I get in through your door, I just immediately feel calm. People kind of see it, like, all my friends and stuff see it as a refuge. Yeah. And I got really into gardening as well over there. Oh, did you? I was going to ask you that, yeah. What are you you growing then? Well, I always try and grow some vegetables, but my favourite flower is peonies, and at the moment there's a lot of beautiful peonies in my garden and some wonderful agapanthus. Oh, amazing. Yeah, that's good. Presumably you play music at home, though, don't you, or not? Maybe on the weekends, but in the week when things are sort of full on, I tend to prefer quiet. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Cool, let's move on. You've kindly supplied us with three living spaces that you've chosen as places that you admire personally. The first one has the brilliant name of Dot Cottage, which is a little terraced house in the medieval town of Rye in East Sussex. Why have you chosen this one? It's just so sweet and it's like a real getaway. I don't think I'll be able to go there anytime soon until my baby's old enough to be, you know, left with my mum so I can go away. But um, it's quite a sort of brilliant place to... It's on Airbnb and various other websites to stay at, but it's just really beautifully sourced things and it's a little nook where it's quite good for a couple to sort of go I don't know if your marriage is doing well or not but it's probably quite a good one to go to if it's (laughs) failing because you might (laughs) (laughs) that's a hell of an endorsement I like that yeah (laughs) it's sort of quite cozy and um definitely not sort of place you'd want to spend time with someone you were completely irritated with but if you're willing to do the work it's a good place to go (laughs) it's like all lovely sort of architectural salvage like the kitchens made out of old doors and the bed heads made out of an old sort of plaster cast door frame and it's very tasteful and sort of sweet and I love the colour combinations it's kind of like a bit like a more flouncy version of my home like my home's quite expansive and not it's the opposite of cozy it's quite open plan this is like a little tiny like being in a cuddle (laughs) (laughs) well that's what you want from a weekend place though isn't it I think that sounds really good so you mentioned the kitchen there it's basically an un- what we call an unfitted kitchen, isn't it? It's a various elements just brought together. Yeah, that shouldn't go together but have yeah. made something really unique and lo- lovely. Do you prefer that? Do you prefer that to a more conventional fitted kitchen, do you think? I do. I, f- I like a higgledy-piggledy thing. And it also is like it's less precious, so you don't need to worry about... You won't notice if you leave crumbs on the floor. They won't rate you badly because they won't notice. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> So a lot of the furniture, it looks like it's sort of upcycled or adapted. Do you do a lot of that yourself? Um, yeah, I do. I I tend to quite enjoy buying old furniture 
particularly soft furnishings like sofa and chairs and stuff from eBay for really cheap and then getting them recovered, which I think is what they have done there. Um, and you kind of, like, get the brilliance of the design without the horribleness of fabric sat on by a million bums. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's quite nice, though, isn't it, that you... You live with something that has a, a history and a bit of a story to tell. Yeah, but think? I personally just don't really rate m- modern design. I rate modernist design or like you know mid-century, yeah. but I don't. I'm not really a fan of IKEA. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's called Dot Cottage because there's polka dots painted on the furniture, aren't there? Yeah. I can kind of imagine you in a, in a sort of polka dot frock, sashaying around Pretending in there. Pretending I'm do, do... a pumpkin like Yayo Kusama. <laughs> Um, so your second choice is the home of interior designer Sarah Hersham Loftus yeah which I describe as a sort of kind of rock and roll version of Marie Antoinette's boudoir why why have you picked this one I always put it on every mood board I ever do for anything interior based and you know, there is sort of a hit, a thread between all of the things I've referenced, but the making, like, the old renewed by bringing, you know, old things into a new space, I think that quite a lot of what she does is uses sort of quite kitschy old lady things but because in her apartment it's all big and bright and light it sort of makes it have this like really gorgeous bohemian kind of like 70s feel to it um and there's loads of life in her flat as well because there's lots of really brilliantly looked after plants and going back to what i said about the kitchen at dot cottage it's it's not precious in the sense that there are some properties you go in and especially when you've got kids and I've got two under the age of five, I couldn't really live in a place where if they dropped a toy on the floor, it would like ruin the whole room. <laughs> and I like the idea of you being able to like leave mess and stuff and it just still looks amazing. And that's what I've kind of adopted in my own home it's sort of the mess disguises itself in the, in the decor, really. Artful clutter, Artful they call clutter. it, don't they? Artful mm. clutter, yeah. I was having a look at the pictures of this place and I, I noticed that there isn't any overhead lighting in there at all, I don't think. Instead, she's got open fires in all the rooms and she's got lots of candles everywhere. I've got a bit of a thing about lighting. Uh, I've got a bit of a Dickensian approach to it, but I really, really like candlelight and wall lights and low-level lighting rather than those acne attacks of spotlights that you get everywhere. What, what, what's your view on that? Um, people always criticise me for the fact that... I do have overhead lighting, but my light bulbs are low voltage, <laughs> so I quite like yeah. it dark as well. I don't think there's anywhere in my house where I can actually see anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I've got quite a lot of sort of um, 60s Italian lights, like Sputnik, but bigger floral Sputniks with, like, Murano glass-type things in my house, like really beautiful big lights with so many light bulbs, but still you can't see anything. Yeah, exactly, which is great. I mean, the light then is a sort of sculptural object in its own right rather than something that 
that just purely does lighting. It's a nice thing to live with. I was reading that her father was an art dealer. It's really nice, actually, but when he passed away, she took on his collection of Russian art, and she said that she never felt completely at home in the flat until she hung all of his artworks on the wall. Do you find it's important to live with things that have personal meaning to you like that and have a narrative? I mean, yes. I just like walls to be full of things. So lots of paintings, you know, family pictures and stuff. The one thing I really, 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 really dislike and I don't have any of is pictures of myself. Right. And I find it quite telling of a person when you go to their house and they've got pictures of themselves on the walls. Even, like, sometimes quite sort of quiet, subdued people do that and you think, oh, there's, like, an inner confidence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's sort of, got a cardboard cutout in the guest loo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I find that quite odd. And I actually met um, another musician once who'd had their own image turn into a wallpaper. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, yeah, that's good. I suppose the other thing about this flat is the materials, isn't it? It seems to me everything's been left raw and untreated and you've got parts of the original brick walls that are exposed. Yeah, I love all the texture of it. And the, I guess um, I like life's jagged edges in all its forms. And I feel like, for me, I, I guess smoothing out of anything, including feelings, <laughs> um, it gives me anxiety. <laughs> so... <laughs> You know, the mishmash. I love it when uh, different textures and patterns come together. So, yeah. And all the sort of imperfections, like the bits that have broken and stuff, I like to leave all of that. Yeah, it's important, isn't it? Like, I moved into my house and it's got a bit of parquet flooring and the owner previously was very pedantic about it and he was like, you need to get it cleaned properly and you need to... Um, do this special shining and stuff. And I was like, I've been dragging metal chairs across it for ages. <laughs> I think it looks better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> Excellent. So let's move on to your last one. So this is this is a pretty mad place, isn't it? It's Annabelle's Nightclub yeah. on Barclay Square in Mayfair. Are you a member there? No. Okay, but you've been Which a few times. Which I think times, makes everything more fun when you're not a member. I'm sure you're allowed, aren't you? Tell us about it. I have been invited a few times. It was so amazing. It's like, I thought I was maximalist. This is like, there's not <laughs> not a corner that's left bare. Yeah. Everything's a pattern or a texture or, yeah, a feature. Like, the whole thing's just a big explosion of colour and glamour. Yeah. I was looking at the pictures. I mean, there's leopard print, tortoiseshell chevrons paisley stripes it's kind of everything you can think of isn't there yeah um, and the bathrooms the women's bathroom it's just completely insane it's all kind of like molded glass it's like going into a womb <laughs> or down a fallopian tube why is it go on tell, describe it why is it like that it's just all sort of pink and warm and like this is getting a bit Georges Bataille now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but it's like, it's, it's a completely mad mix, though. How does that possibly work? Does it work? It does for me. I guess some people would just get a headache. But um, I really like it. I, 
it's a place that I just like to sit in and be in. I don't know. It's just a lot of things. Yeah. It was designed by a guy called Martin Brodnitsky, who we featured on our journal a while back. And um, we went into his own place, actually. He does practice what he preaches, you'd be pleased to know. But, um, yeah, it's a phenomenal piece of design, I think. Do you think that the decor contributes to the atmosphere? Have you seen any kind of bacchanalian wild nights while you've been there? Does it Does it allow people to lose their inhibitions when they're in that kind of environment? Yeah, I think so. And there's loads of, there's lots of little sort of corridors. There's like a labyrinthian feel at the bottom with little smaller rooms. Sorry about the baby crying, but this is real life, people. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, so there's like these little sort of cubby holes, a bit like when you're in Japan. Oh, my goodness, it's all happening. What was I talking about? The cubby holes remind me a bit of in Tokyo, those little bars for one person. Yeah. And you can sort of go and then lots of people have their own sort of secret of things that go on in those little rooms. So, yes, I think it does lend itself to those sort of nights. And especially when it's like a party that's a bit sort of mad, like a celebrity party with loads of famous people and they're all like going in and out and then you see the most unheard of combinations of people (laughs) talking that's pretty wild I think just people watching yeah that sounds good so it's obviously a nightclub and not a residential setting do you think that that kind of wildness would translate into a home or would it be too much never too much mate (laughs) (laughs) you're talking to the wrong person I feel like I get most of my interior inspiration from nightclubs and hotels more than homes because I think people are quite scared in their homes to do anything or commit to anything that's more than just neutral because they think that it will influence their mood negatively or whatever or be too much but as a creative in my home I find that quite important like to live around lots of things and vibrancy and lots of books and watch films in a space where the framing i.e the space around the tv is quite full-on because I find it all feeds into being inspired and actually for me too much of a neutral space probably dials it down a bit for me creatively I think it's quite important as well as a songwriter or someone who writes in any way to be able to sort of go to extremes when sort of talking about my main subject, which is the human condition. To explore that, you can't sort of be in between feelings. It's all got to be, like, polarised. So for me, I think if it was too neutral, I wouldn't be able to get there. That's really interesting. Because for a lot of people, it's the opposite, isn't it? They like the idea of a a weekend house or something where they can literally just dump all of their thoughts at the door and, yeah, I suppose allow, well, in your case, allow the music to to kind of come to you. But, But for others in any creative industries, just having that minimalism around them allows those thoughts to come to the fore. But you're saying it's kind of the opposite. You need to be able to riff off those things. Yeah, I like to sort of look and feel a bit dramatic (laughs) well my house is really calm like the atmosphere but the look of it 
yeah, I think I'm definitely more Penelope Cruz in Vicky Cristina Barcelona in vibe. Yeah. Why, why are you like that, though? Where does that come from? Have you always been like that? I don't know where it comes from. Maybe it's because I'm Spanish. Right. <laughs> I don't know. It's like culturally kind of quite an expressive thing where you just offload your feelings and then sort of they've got their go away. Yeah. Um, I tend not yeah. to hold anything back, much to my mother's dismay because she's English and she's like, there's a time and a place. And I'm yeah. like, not with me. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, we mustn't mention that and we don't talk about that. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's crippling. I just talk about everything. So I think, um, yeah, that's where it comes from. And okay. I think that my interior does reflect that. Yeah, okay. So just just the last question then, just a bit more about your homeware range. Just tell us about it. What, what kind of thing are you doing and, what, and where are you selling it? So I'm selling it on my own website, Ploma Home, and it's... Wallpapers, fabrics, cushions, yeah, really good upholstery. I mean, I'm really gutted that I've not got a new place to move into because I've got I can't have the upholstery. <laughs> um, so patterns and clashes. The setup really is just that you can have any number of bits of it and put them all together and they look right, even though they look like they shouldn't look right. So it's sort of maximalist. Yeah, an explosion. <laughs> Create your own explosion. And why Why have you done it out of interest? Just because so many people came to my house um, and just find it sort of fascinating and unusual. And people were like, you really should have been an interior designer. How do you think of putting all those things together? Because I just, I actually find it easier doing this stuff remotely so that when I decorate, I tend to like have the house in my mind because I'm usually on tour and then I do it all in my head. Mm. And then when I come back, it's done. And I don't spend ages holding colours up against doors and stuff like that. I just go for it. Like impulsive and decisive. And so I just decided to make a range that would encourage that or take that burden away from people, that you could be impulsive and decisive and buy two bits of it that look like they shouldn't really be friends, but they are really good friends. Like it. Thank you so much, Paloma. Thank Thank you you. for, for being here. Really, really enjoyed that. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks very much for listening. If today's conversation with Paloma has piqued your interest, you can find photos of the spaces we discussed on our website, themodernhouse.com. We've got lots more fantastic guests coming up in this series, so please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so that you don't miss an episode. We'd also love it if you could rate and review the show because it really helps others to discover us. This episode was produced by Caroline Hughes and the executive producer was Kate Taylor for Feast Collective.